Eat, sleep, movie, repeat, repeat. A podcast on all things movies with Brent Harbour and industry insider Ross Churchhouse. G'day, young Ross. Here we are again. Yeah, here we are again, Brent. How you been? Oh, not too bad, thank you. Lots going on. Uh, lots of movies I haven't got to see yet, which I'm pretty disappointed with. But boy, there's such a good lineup. We'll chat about that soon, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, hey, look, uh, welcome everybody to Eat, Sleep, Move, Repeat, our show about movies. What's happening in uh, New Zealand cinema and independent cinema? Brought to you by Cafe Cinemas Kiri Kiri and Lido Cinemas Hamilton, which are two small Kiwi-owned cinemas where we focus on the love of film and supporting the community and looking after our customers. There you go. How was that for a shameless plug? <laughs> That's great. But actually, you want to mention something too, because uh, I didn't realise you could do this with private events, right? Yeah, hiring a cinema is actually really, really simple. People don't really realise how easy it is to do that. We've tried to streamline it and make it as easily and pretty as cheap as possible for people to do. So if you are interested in doing it, I mean, obviously, this time of year, like schools are looking for fundraising for school trips and sports events and stuff. So schools particularly, there's an opportunity and a benefit to do that. But this is the same for all cinemas, not just ourselves. If people are looking to do fundraising for, you know, for any kind of event, that's a good option to contact your local cinema and to see what they're doing. You know, for local cinema, one event could be a real game changer for their week if they're having a bad week. And so from that perspective, it's really good for them. But also, there is the opportunity to work with them and cut a good deal and make a bit of money for your school and for your event. And they'll give you all the assistance and help they can to do a group booking. So if you do want to do that, just go on um, your local cinema's website. They'll usually have a button like events or something, and you just press on that or private hire. They'll have some information there, and then just make contact with them, and they'll send all that information out to you. Because, um, yeah, look, I've done, I don't know, I can't remember how many thousands of events I've done over the years they almost always result in a good result for the person who's organised them. The person will always make money. So, you know, whether it's whether it's $200 or $2,000, it doesn't matter. They are a good, fun social event. So help your, help your local cinemas and, um, yeah, go and have a nice night at the movies with your friends. Excellent. Okay. Now, our predictions. I don't know how good I'm starting off this year. So we had a prediction on Force of Nature, The Dry 2. I'm not going to lie. I'm stoked. Because I have got another one on the mobile brief, another one. So look, you lowballed it at one hundred and ten thousand dollars, and I took yeah. a shot. I took a moonshot of one hundred and fifty grand. Bearing yep. in mind it's um, it's been a tough summer, and everybody's going to the beach and not going to the movies. And the film settled at one hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars. So we were absolutely all over it. We straddled the number, which was pretty good. So I think we should both take a win on that. But I just pipped you by about four thousand and ninety-three dollars. But on a side note, if we include all of its opening previews and stuff, the film's actually done 182 grand. But we don't count the previews, so I'm still taking the win. And so bag of Jeff is for me. <laughs> I think so. I mean, it's good that it's 182 because, you know, there's been some ones that haven't fired off with the hiss and the roar so far this year, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was look, I've just been looking at the numbers. I'm not going to name names or mention films or distributors because I don't want them to hate me. But there are a couple of films just recently that have opened with a real whimper rather than a roar. Never mind. Um, the good news is the one we'll predict uh, at the end of this will be a massive blockbuster and we'll make lots and lots of money and we'll probably be miles off, so that'll be great. Okay, and we want to get to that rule because um, I want to talk about that a bit more in depth, but we'll go through what we've got coming up this week really quickly. The movie called Baghead. It's a M-rated horror. It's about a young lady who inherits a rundown pub and discovers this dark secret within the basement of a shape-shifting creature, which will let you speak to your loved ones. 
but not without some consequences. So that's a good little one for you know teens and preteens who are into horror. You know, at this um, it's not rated, so you can send the little kitties along. But I wouldn't necessarily advise the little kitties go and see it. It's definitely more of a look. It's more of a twelve to fifteen. Level. There's a movie called Trustful Julian Assange, which is quite interesting. So Julian Assange, as most people know, has been, you know, the founder, one of the founders of WikiLeaks and was stuck in an embassy for a very long time and is currently in jail awaiting sort of potential extradition to the States. And his court case actually is coming, is right on right now. They're actually making decisions now. And so this movie is a documentary basically examining the significance of the insights that WikiLeaks shared and the governments that were involved and the risks he took in terms of getting these issues out. And it's discussing, you know, press freedom and that sort of thing. It's limited release, so it's not everybody showing it. Um, we're showing it um, here in Kirikiri and we're showing it in Lido and Hamilton. But um, it is around the country, so it's worth a look if that sort of floats your boat. Definitely quite topical for right now. Kinky Boots, the stage musical. Boy, that did well when it was on on stage, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, this is another one of these films, and I think we mentioned this at the start of the year about how many musicals and stage shows and stuff there are this year. So, Kinky Boots, the stage musical, is effectively exactly that. So, basically, it tells the story of two people who have nothing in common. Charlie, who owns a factory making old shoes, and Lola, who's an entertainer who can't find the right size shoes to fit for her extravagant lifestyle. And if you have seen the original film, Kinky Boots, it is basically that that story of... And it's all based on a true story about how this factory in England was struggling and then developed a new line um, and a new way of making shoes and boots and stuff and, and uh, found a new clientele as well, which was fantastic. Right. Do you want to do this one or shall I try and say it? Uh, Demon Slayer. Kimetsu no Yaiba. Yep. Boy, it just rolled off the tongue like I'm a native speaker. Absolutely. So, look, um, <laughs> fans of anime, and there are plenty of them out there, anime yeah. and Japanese animation style is becoming very, very popular. It is eclipsing some of the stuff we're seeing out of the States. Japanese film in general is starting to really come into its own now, um, most recently with the um, Godzilla film that came out recently, Godzilla Minus yeah. One. Japanese anime is extremely popular. Kiwi kids are embracing it. Look, my kids love it. I, I met a lady yesterday and she was telling me about how desperate her child was to come and see it. You know, So this story follows a young guy called Tanjiro Komoda, a teenage boy living in rural Japan. His family are killed in a brutal demon attack and it turns his sister Mizuko into a demon. But unlike other demons, she's compassionate towards humans. Now, I've actually watched the anime, and I actually really enjoyed it. So I'm talking from a very geeky perspective here. I've only watched about two seasons of it so far. I really need to catch up on the other seasons. But this film basically takes the last third season of the Swordsmith Village arc, and it adds that into another arc, which is about Harisha trading. Now, if that doesn't make any sense to you, you're probably older than 35. For people who are into anime, like they, they absolutely love it. And it's um, done very, very well. I mean, it opened yesterday and it's already doing quite well with, with the market. So I think that that's good. And we're showing it in the original Japanese with the English dubs because a lot of the fans of anime prefer to watch it with the original Japanese soundtrack. So that's how we're doing it. One of my daughters loves anime. She'll be along to see that for sure. 
And probably the other movie we got started this week, which is the class and the classics side of things, was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid from 1970, featuring the classic Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head soundtrack. So, stars Paul Newman, Robert Redford, it's classic Western, it's about the um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and their gang, and after this train robbery goes wrong, they're on the run, the posse's hard on their heels, the gang are like, well, you know, somebody's got to be in charge, you guys are guys are putting us in trouble and and it's about how they eventually decide they're going to escape to bolivia or at least try to escape to bolivia to get away from the um american police now this next one the zone of interest i'm thinking this could be quite a hard watch yeah zone of interest is a very interesting film so basically it's just won a couple of baftas or nominated for baftas i think it was there was one of them and it's basically about nazi germany and the um auschwitz camp so it's Based on a book, it's quite an interesting style of filmmaking. Instead of having actors on sets with cameras, what they did was they hid a lot of cameras within the set itself. And then they did have the actors acting with some cameras. But for a lot of the movie, the camera, they weren't really aware where the cameras were. So the angles and the direction and the way they're capturing the people in this particular movie is quite interesting. The story is basically about a um, commandant who runs the camp and his wife and she is a homemaker and they have this idyllic home and the beautiful green lawn and they have their garden parties and they do all this um, lovely things and they play croquet and the kids are out there swimming and you know you name it it's a lovely kind of lifestyle but the garden wall of their house separates them from the Auschwitz camp so while they're enjoying this lovely lifestyle the people you know within you know two feet of them are being brutally murdered so it is a really interesting film it's got two oscar nominations one for best director one for best adapted screenplay and it is a unsettling movie it's got i won't spoil what the point of this is but uh, there is some unsettling stuff in there but as far as a strong strong film to go and maybe watch if this is something you'd be interested in uh definitely go and see zone of interest now we need to talk about this because you're very excited dune part two yeah look i'm excited for lots of reasons about dune part two i have re-watched dune part one uh about three times in the last four weeks don't ask me why I just I think the film is really good and every time I watch it I'm finding new stuff that I like and and I'm a fan of this sort of sci-fi so I most recently stayed up till 2am about three nights ago watching Doom Part 2 which was a complete nightmare waking up the next morning going to work but it is what it is I have seen the film we were able to see it a couple weeks early and we're allowed to talk about it now because the embargo is lifted which is awesome I was blown away with how good Dune Part 2 is and if you've seen the first one you are not going to be disappointed everything that's out there in the media right now and I've been watching a couple of reviews this morning was fantastic so uh, did you see do you see Dune Part 1? Yes I did yeah when saw it on the, the big screen because uh, I remember seeing the one with Sting back in the 80s oh yeah so uh, yeah I went along to see it I mean it, it, it's beautifully filmed and pretty epic I to be honest I found it a bit slow I knew it was going to be like that because there was a part two coming. So is part two a bit faster? Yeah, it's a bit faster. The I think the thing with Dune is that because it draws on a lot of themes, particularly religion and iconography and, and sort of you're mixing science with magic and all this sort of stuff, for some people they're like, huh, what? What's going on? You know, it literally, I guarantee you'll be sitting in that cinema and some person is going to turn to the other person and go, who's the man in the hat? <laughs> yeah, that's you know? right. <laughs> 
look, what a, what's that guy? You know, it'll <laughs> yeah. be one of those situations. Yeah. But if you like the first one, you are definitely not going to be disappointed. It's two and a bit hours long, two and a half hours long. I sat there just loving every moment of it. You know, even though I was like, oh, I really need to go to the bathroom. I'm, I'm not going. I've got to watch this film. Anyway, the point is that um, the, the, the film is amazing. It's based on Frank Herbert's best seller, Dune. Oh, I learned the new thing too. Timothy Chalamet's re- pre- correct pronunciation of his name is Timothy. There you go. Oh, okay. Timothy. Yeah, right. Well, that, that kind of makes sense there. Yeah, I see when when I see it spelt like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's Timothy Chalamet, which rhymes. Oh. <laughs> um, and, apparently, and apparently his middle name is Hal. So it stars him. It stars Zendaya, who was in Spider-Man No Way Home. It stars Rebecca Ferguson, who is awesome, and she was in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. It's got Josh Brolin in it from Avengers. It's got Austin Butler, who was most recently in Elvis and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's got Florence Pugh in it from Black Widow. It's got, obviously, Dave Bautista returns in his character. Uh, it's got Christopher Walken, who I just actually, I, I love. You're either Christopher Walken's that I'd love to watch. It's got Dylan Skarsgård, who plays the big bad. You know, it's just got such a massive cast. Oh, and Charlotte Rampling. There you go. Uh, who's also in it. So it's just got so many amazing cast members. Standout for me is Javier Bardem from Old Country from No Men. Um, his character, um, to me, is the, one of the most entertaining characters in the film because he just, his the way he delivers all his lines, he was born to play his role, in my opinion. You, you can see I'm fanboying quite a lot here. So the film opens Thursday. It is stunning. If you can see it on IMAX, not that I want you to go and see it on, on an IMAX cinema because I don't own one, but um, if you can see it on IMAX, it's definitely worth the, the, the look. I actually saw it on IMAX. That was phenomenal. But it will be still great in any other cinema. But if you are a fan, go along. It was It's pretty impressive. Um, and just one other thing was really interesting is they filmed the film... Um, some of the film is filmed in infrared film. So there's a scene, particularly when you go to one of the homeworlds of the bad guys, and just it's it's in black and white, but it is stunning in black and white. It is absolutely incredible. I saw a critic say that if they were lucky that the film got pushed back this year, all the Oscar nominations are lucky that the film got pushed back. Because if the film hadn't been pushed back, it would probably sweep a lot of the Oscars. Now I don't know if that's true or not. You know, Oscars could be funny things, but, you know, 2025 Oscars, if they should be up for a dozen a dozen awards because it's absolutely phenomenal. Just the filmmaking and the technical aspects of the filmmaking and the lighting and the everything. Everything about it's amazing. So, yeah, I know that's, uh, again, fanboying a lot. No, that's good. It's a passion for a movie that you like and people should go and see it. I mean, I'm going to go see part two, even though I wasn't a huge fan of part one, because I, you know, I know the story and I I just want to see what they do. And even the trailers look epic. Right. So let's wrap it up. How much do you think Dune 2 is going to make at the New Zealand box office this week? And I haven't got a comparison film for you. I can't say, oh, you're Dune 1 to X, because Dune 1 came out under some COVID restrictions and actually was very hard to get a decent box office number okay hmm. let me i i think this is gonna be the movie of the year that's gonna make the most money of anything released so i'm gonna shoot really really high on this i'm gonna say 1.8 million yep that's a pretty big number but i'm actually gonna go higher i think that the buzz on this film is only gonna grow 
word of mouth and the critic reviews and everything about it is telling everybody how good it is. I think the field is strong. I think the buzz is only going to keep building. And word of mouth on this is going to drive ticket sales and people will go and see it. And even if they got completely confused about it, they'll walk out of it and go, I was completely confused. But man, the cinematography is excellent. But um, yes, audio tip would eight. And you know, and for all I know, that might be shooting a bit low, but let's wait and see. Thanks for listening to Eat, Sleep, Movie, Repeat. Repeat. A movie podcast available at Buzzsprout, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.